let me put this in the in the side notes here for everybody that is listening that doesn't know my style, Matt's style. This is a, a shame and blame free zone. Um, uh, I have a very dear friend. If he's listening right now, he'll recognize he'll get a kick out of this. Nobody goes to rehab sober is what he says. And <laughs> and for people who are getting business coaching, people who are seeking help, your shit is sideways, and you're just like every other business owner out there, and that's okay. The point is you're here doing something about it. And so there's no room for shame and blame. That's not productive. It's not constructive. The question that sort of like pokes a hole in that is to say, great, do you know what got you here and what are you going to do about it? So that's a great way to sort of let the air out of the shame and blame balloon and move forward. So I want to, I just want to kind of give that context for, for when I, when I am like, so Andrew, how did this get off track? This isn't with lace for shame and blame. This is diagnostic. Just, I want to throw that out there. <laughs> Welcome to Clearing Obstacles, the podcast for leaders and those that want to be. You know, it can be a lonely journey when you find yourself confronted by challenges in business. So get ready to take a journey with me as together, we'll hear the stories of real life business owners and begin to unpack some common business challenges from real life situations in a way that's both relatable and actionable for you. We bring to bear decades of entrepreneurial and coaching experience and a full toolbox of resources as we introduce you to those professionals who, like yourself, are working hard to build a healthy business and a healthy team. But then we'll also share the way out of those struggles by clearing the obstacles at their origins, helping you get there from here. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Clearing Obstacles podcast, where we help you get there from here. This is Coach Matt, along with Coach Dan, and Howdy. our esteemed guest, Andrew. Welcome, Andrew. I want to thank you for coming to share your story with us. How's it going today? How, what's it like in beautiful Steamboat, Colorado today? Great, great. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, it's a it's a beautiful day. Uh, a t-shirt weather, we like to say, uh, about oh. 15 degrees, and uh, and just been an awesome winter um, one of the best in a decade. So we are living the dream and, uh, loving every bit of it. Best in a decade. Is that how long you've been there? So we've been here about two years, um, and lived in the, the Denver Metro before that. Gotcha. Nice. gotcha. But t-shirt weather at 15 degrees, right? Yeah. See, I'm in the short sleeve. You are. <laughs> well, I think everybody here at one point or another has lived in Colorado. So I, we'll just shout out to our stomping grounds. Every one of us actually has lived there for at least a minute. That's right. Yeah. It's everybody a very impactful place. Well, Absolutely. it is, isn't it? What do you mean by that? I know what I know how I interpret that. What do you mean by that, Andrew? You know, for me, I, I think, well, I, I was, I was brought into the, uh, the, the Colorado world by my wife. Uh, we had lived in Houston and she got to a point where she said, Hey, look, I, if we stay in Houston any longer, we're going to, you know, there's, there's almost no chance we're going to leave. Um, and she said, let's, let's go to Denver and like, okay. Didn't visit. Didn't, I mean, we were at that peak of the, you know, the hundred thousand a year moving into the Denver Metro and, um, never looked back. And since then, I mean, it's really captured our hearts and it's, yeah, it's, there's something about it that, you know, you have, you, every state has its thing and, and Colorado has this mystique about it that everybody can relate to, right? You know, whether it's, it's the vacations, it's the kind of that easy lifestyle. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's definitely 
it's definitely impacted us in a lot of positive ways. That's great. How do you how do you think it may have impacted the way your business has taken shape if you had uh, launched it and built all of that in Texas versus there in Colorado? Man, what an awesome question. So in so many ways, but the number one is is the lifestyle focus. So let's say let's say you know we're back in Houston, we're building a similar company um which is, you know, property property care. It would be you know, for a, for an employee to say, Hey, I want to go ski half a day, you know, people or or go bike half a day or whatever that recreation would be in Houston, you know, people would look at them and say, you know, well, what? Like, you know, there's no, you know, that doesn't make sense, but there's such this pride of having this balanced lifestyle here between, you know, exploring your hobbies and, you know, making it all, making it all work through business or a job or, you know, whatever your occupation may be. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's like, uh, it's like the service. The, the waves are, waves are high today. I can't come in. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, we call it the powder clause. Yeah. Powder clause. I <laughs> like that it. right into the language of the contract. <laughs> I love it. That's beautifully said there. That makes a lot of sense too. I can see yeah. that for sure. Yeah. So you alluded to it in what you said right there too. So tell us a little bit about your business businesses that you operate in Steamboat. So we, like I mentioned, we had moved to Denver about seven years ago and um, loved it. But where we got to an impasse was you know, we we moved to Denver with this idea that you know we were going to be living in the mountains and just you know, always riding bikes and hiking and skiing. And, and the reality was that even though we were privileged that we could, you know, go up to the mountains any day of the week um, because of our schedules, um, it was still, you know, it's an hour drive here, three hour drive there. And, and so that kind of, that kind of tainted our, our enjoyment of everything we, you know, moved to Colorado for. So we saw a business opportunity. Um, it was a business for sale in Steamboat. Um, it was a property management company. And we started looking into it and we, we said, man, this is, this is right up my alley. I grew up on um, a working ranch in Texas. And so our motto was, you know, if it's, if it's broken, you fix it yourself, right? You know, you don't call the plumber, you don't call, um, you know, the contractor, it's, you just, you just do it. And so with that, I thought, wow, you know, you know, this matches my skill set and a lot of my, you know, knowledge and comfort. And we really wanted to grow a business, but also wanted to have a really good lifestyle and start setting up for a family and um, had already joked about moving to Steamboat. Um, and, you know, the stars aligned and um, yeah, we we closed on the business. There was about 50 buy within two months, there was 50 interested buyers in this business, which is really unheard of. Um, and so I really had to put on my salesman hat um, to get this one closed, go through all the due diligence, of course. And so that was about that was <laughs> so this was uh September 2020. So uh just getting into the 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 rhythm and routine of um, COVID lockdowns and, you know, kind of this new normal, um, which, you know, looking back is pretty crazy time to buy a business. <laughs> um, 
you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, getting through COVID and we thought, yeah, we'll just make the the biggest, you know, purchase of our lives and the biggest life-changing decision, <laughs> you know, in the why midst not? of all this, you know, why not? <laughs> um, and so, so we, we, we did that and started learning the business, right? And so the core of the business is cleaning. Um, what attracted us to the business initially was that it was not, it would, it did not deal with guest services. So we say we're, our company is called Apex Property Care and we do all the back end management. So we do cleaning, landscaping, maintenance, snow removal, um, subcontractor management and, um, private home management. So people that don't rent their homes out. So, that puts us in a unique place on the market where our competitors are, you know, the big companies that do everything, right? You have, they do guest services, they do, you know, um, everything on the ground as well. And then we, we compete against the single service operators, you know, the single service, like cleaning, landscaping, all of those individuals. So um, when we look at that, that dynamic in the competitive market, um, it's always really interesting and we have to be careful how we approach that because the comp competition is very diverse in that. Right. So, um, so we, we got into that, the initial, uh, the initial excitement was to jump right into marketing, um, and take what we saw as a mom and pop operation, um, you know, into the 21st century and really start getting our ideal client. Right. And so in doing that, you know, we, we would start this project and then something would come up. Oh, wait, you know, there's an operational glitch or a, a fire that had to be put out. And then we get, we put that out, we get back into the project, right? Okay. We're going to set up marketing. We're going to set up, you know, this and that another fire would come up quickly. We realized there was this lack of systemization throughout the business. And so we really took a step back and said, look, we, we need to treat this like a startup and build this from scratch, make sure all the pieces align and, you know, do this the right way. So um, that's when we reached out to Emith. Um, they got us connected to Matt and, you know, we've never had a problem since. <laughs> Uh, right, sure. right. Yeah. <laughs> and that bridge you were wanting to sell. Uh yeah. 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 what do we even work on with our in our coaching calls, right? There's no problem at all. It's it's, so easy. Yeah. I mean, it's like, what do we, yeah, what do we talk about? <laughs> yeah. So um great story, great basket story. I appreciate that. Um yeah. what would you say is um What's your biggest obstacle? If you step back and say, what is your biggest obstacle that's standing in the way of the business that, that you want, the one that you dream of? Great question. And so, so when we, we look back over the last two to two and a half years that we've owned the business, we've gone through different stages, right? And so we can say, oh, at this stage, there was this obstacle at, you know, this stage, there was that obstacle. And what keeps coming up as a recurring theme is, is really the, the structure of it all, right? So 
when we look at our, our goals and, you know, one, three, five, 10 year goals, you start to see, okay, there's a pattern of what kind of structure do we need for that? What kind of organization, what roles within that organization, um, what responsibilities um, need to be accounted for. And that's, that's to me, the biggest obstacle because number one, it's a moving target. Um, you know, we say, okay, five years from now, where, where do we want to be as a company? And there's that organizational chart you create for that, right? So that you can account for that growth and grow into that. And it's with this multi-system or multi-service uh, business that we have, it can be hard to look into the future and say, here's the exact system that we are going to need. Um, and so to me, it's creating that organizational um, structure, you know, that's based on efficient communication and, you know, making sure that everything works smoothly. Yeah, let me let me jump in real quick. And just for the listener's sake on this is that you've got you do have multiple veins of your business, not just the cleaning part of it. You do the the maintenance stuff. You had mentioned that, right? The snow yeah. removal, you do maintenance work and like landscaping. Yes. Um, then you also have a laundromat as well, too, right? Yes. Yeah. Am I missing anything else? Um, no, that's it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So Andrew has a lot of different veins of his business that, that he uses within that property management sense. Um, yeah, I just wanted to be clear about that. So yeah. structure, when you're talking about structure, you brought up some good points. You talked about the roles, the responsibilities of those roles. What's been your biggest challenge in, you called it a moving target. I heard you say it's a moving target. Mm-hmm. Why is What's been challenging about creating that structure when you're thinking that it's a, a moving target? Sure. And I, and you know, I, I'd like to be, I'd like to open up and be vulnerable in the fact that, you know, we, even though I think, you know, 10 years in real estate as a real estate agent and all of my other professional experience, um, you know, makes me this wonderful leader that, you know, just segues right into the perfect business owner, right? And the reality is that, you know, it's it's a very, very different role. And I think, you know, we we talk about how, you know, you know, where where do you need to be as a leader to get to, you know, this part of your business or what kind of person do you need to be, you know, to get to this goal or this objective. And um and and I I see that more and more. It's like the more I know, the more I realize what I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um and so so to me that you know, what feels like this organizational structure that should be a very black and white um, thing feels like a moving target because as we become more experienced in running this business and all the different interrelated systems, uh, it almost seems like, okay, well, now that we had identified this, let's say this, you know, administrative role, now we're looking at this role and saying, well, there's these three other things that we didn't account for. And so as you go forward, you know, you don't want to create those, those Frankenstein positions that are just kind of this catch-all. And so, so then it's like, you know, how much time do you spend working on this org chart? And 
you know, is it a, is it a once a year thing where you go through and make sure it's on target? Um, and you just start asking all of these questions, right? You know, how do I, you know, do I do this five-year plan? How do we go from where we're at now to that five-year plan? And how do we adjust on the way there? Andrew, you've done a good job at, at articulating kind of the conceptual uh, struggle that you have, the obstacle, the challenge, the frustration that you seem to be experiencing, and, and you're characterizing that as looking for structure. Um, I'm curious about two things. First, in what regard, maybe a little bit more detail on, on what that structure looks like. Is it structure in the people? You've, you've sort of alluded to that. Structure in the systems, structure in the different departments and, and how the finance department works, for example. Um, sure. So maybe some color to that, but but and maybe you can illustrate that. Uh, let's go to story time. What's a, a mm -hmm. some example that really resonates true with you? You know, um, where where it became very apparent that that's that's part of what missing. Sure, sure. So where where we and and, and you know this is actually what what led us. Um, to Emith originally. So when we bought the company, um, there, there appeared to be this, you know, this hierarchical structure and a very good way of, you know, uh, what'd you call it? Like how everybody uh, answered to the right person. It just seemed to flow. And when we got into it with our very different culture that we brought to the table and to the team, we realized that there was, there's things that we didn't bring to the team that the team needed. There was, um, there was a lot of, uh, kind of a dictatorial style, you know, the micromanaging, um, and we really approached this business as, you know, there should be a lot of autonomy and things just fell apart. Right. And, so then we thought, well, what, what's going on? You know, this should just, this should work. Everybody knows what they should do. And, every, you know, and so, so then it, we got back and started thinking and, and talking. It's like, man, there's really not any documented structure here. And it, it's the organizational structure um, that, that really is what we're talking about in this, in this context. And, um, so then we started looking at, you know, okay, well, you start, at least traditionally, it's it's a top down. It's like, okay, well, there's, you know, we have these two managers, one's in charge of, of you know, all the cleaning and all the, you know, uh, kind of the concierge um, side of things. And then one is in charge of landscaping and maintenance and snow removal. It's like, okay, great. We'll start there. Well, it turns out, you know, those positions really were Frankenstein positions. Um, and so as we dug deeper and dug deeper, um, it just, it became clear to us. It's like, okay, well, we really need to step even further back. And, you know, it's like, I mean, we went to, I mean, ground zero, right? It's like, who are we as a company? You know, what are we doing? And then it's, and then we got to a point where it's like, why, you know, why are we doing this? Right. And so, um, you know, again, we, we got into E-Myth, um, started unpacking that. And, you know, over the course of about six to seven months, we started going over that organizational side and uh, started getting more clarity. 
And then we grew as owners, learned more, learned the business. And then it's like, okay, well, let's, there's, there's something else here that we need to implement. Um, and yeah, it's just that continuous, continuous workflow there. So some of the challenges that you were experiencing, they were like quality control issues, uh, missed appointments, uh, people going to the wrong properties, taking the wrong equipment, inefficiencies, yeah. what, like some of those specifics. Yeah. So um, one thing I forgot to mention is that we, when we bought leading up to buying the business, it was about a two month time period. So we're in, there's a lot of, there's a lot of side stories here, but I was a, I was a business, I was a business broker for about four months before buying this business. And, you know, the number one rule of business brokers is don't buy businesses. <laughs> you just, just broker the sales, right? Don't, don't get sucked into, you know, seeing the numbers and analyzing them and buying yourself. And uh, so, you know, third, fourth business in, oh, let's buy this thing. Right. So um, we, we were, we went into this very confidently thinking, okay, Let's see what others have done and rinse, repeat, do the same thing. Uh, so what that looked like was putting a management team in place. So we hired a COO um, who was going to essentially run that business so that we could focus on, you know, growing the business. So that operation side, and then we would be kind of that, that more traditional CEO or CMO. Sounds good. And so... Yeah. So, so in theory, it, it sounds good. Well, what happened was we inadvertently created a, a very flat org structure. So at the time we had uh, 14 employees and this COO became the boss gotcha. to those 14 employees. And so she had people calling, texting all day long. And so that, I mean, it was just communication overload. So, you know, some of the projects that she was tasked with just never got done because, you know, she was the receptionist. She was the, you know, the, the boss of 14 people. She was learning a new company. I mean, we really, and, and ultimately a year later, we mutually made the decision that this wasn't working and, you know, we set her up for failure you know, you can pretty easily see that in this context. And so, um, so once we did that, it's like, okay, let's really start taking these pieces apart and see, you know, learning each role ourselves and then delegating that appropriately. Um, and, and Matt, Matt, uh, Matt and I talk about, uh, you know, the, the abdication versus delegation. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like, for a year, we essentially, you know, just said, oh, do this, do that. And just like, okay, great. That was it. And it's like, wait, <laughs> you know, <laughs> two years into this, it's like, how do we ever think that would work? You know, it's like, you know, there, number one, there needs to be more leadership support, but there needs to be that accountability system as well, um, is what we found. And so, so the, the main issue that, that we saw through, through all of those situations was that this, this communication was was broken. Yeah, I want to dig in a little bit on that real quick, just for some context. Who who wants to explain the difference between abdication versus delegation and why it matters? I simply put it as this way: is delegation is where you're clear about what you're handing off to somebody. This is how I want it to be done. This is the job. These are the tasks, so on and so forth. Abdication is here. 
generally it you kind of do what you want. I don't really don't want to be bothered with it. That's my very simple way of putting it. Do you have more of a professional tone to that, Dan? Uh, yeah, abdication involves just washing your hands of the responsibility of what you've delegated, and it, you know, healthy delegation doesn't work that way. You you still have to keep your finger on the pulse. You still might need some indicators to be able to to verify, validate what's getting done and how it's getting done. Abdication says that's not my job anymore. And, you know, again, it doesn't necessarily work that way. We, you can't wash your hands of it per se. You you still need to have some way of verifying and validating what's getting done, how it's getting into the quality, et cetera. I think it's interesting in your story right there, um, as I reflect on it, Andrew, is you came into the business and kind of had what is, you know, more of a, I'll say an employee mentality or somebody like yourself is a self-starter and is a hard worker. I mean, you even said, you know, if you, you grew up in that, if you broke it, you fix it kind of way, this kind of personal responsibility of doing things and you took over the business and kind of maybe made the assumption that others should be that same way too. So you're like, all right, hands off you. You guys know what you're doing. It'll be good. It'll be fine. Right. And that's been a theme in our work a little bit as, as we've gone through it. And it has taken a while to shift to that. But it's interesting because what I heard was that it was micromanaging before. Well, the micromanaging in, even of itself was one person held that knowledge. One person kept the whole pieces together, mm. which is more of what your COO position kind of became for you. Right. Mm-hmm. So you kind of brought it back into the pool. <laughs> yeah. right? And then realized that that was kind of an overwhelming catch all position. And now you're in a place to recognize the different parts and pieces and the roles and responsibilities in that structure and what each part of your business is meant to to do to function, to be able to really get it to a point where it doesn't land on just one person. And ultimately, you know, the big goal is that it's not just dependent on you to keep it all together as well. Right. Is that a pretty good synopsis of it? Is that what you picked up too, Dan? Exactly. Yeah, man, I, I would, I would, um, it, it just generates a question for me. So, so what I'm hearing is that your team was unclear about what needed to be done and how we do it. Uh, would you say that extended to ownership and leadership as well? Absolutely. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I loaded yeah. your question there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and it's no, it, it's absolutely true. And, and, and I'll be the first to admit it, you know, and, and I think a lot of this autonomy and the idea of it came from, you know, I, I had always worked in a field of people that were responsible for their own businesses, right? Which is real estate agents. And, and so, you know, we all know there's a, there's a wide range of, you know, wonderful real estate agents and real estate agents that get into it. And it's a very different reality than, than what they had imagined. And so, you know, for me, it was like, my normal was, was yeah, you know, you have, you know, four years of experience or seven years of experience cleaning. Like you tell me how this should be done. You know, like I I wanted to, I wanted to be that, you know, kind of that dream manager um, and give people really a kind of a, a piece of the pie to say, okay, look, like here's how we should do things, you know, and having that respect. And um yeah, turns out people really wanted that structure and <laughs> And uh, yeah, it's uh, it shocking. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> so I'm I'm loving the context and the backstory here for this, but I want I, if you don't mind, I want to get our hands dirty here. What okay. you obviously have done something right. I mean, come on, you were working with Matt for a while, so um, <laughs> something's going right here. You're still alive and kicking, but uh, a business is is a never ending uh, succession of 
of improvement, or at least hopefully. And so here's my question. What's, what's present today? What's actually happening today that shows there's still, there's still work to be done here. So one of the, and, and Matt will tell you, uh, you know, one of the things that we, we decided to do was, you know, and it's kind of this classic business owner, right? It's like, oh, well, if they can't do it right, you know, I got to do it myself. And, and we really, we really took that in, but part of that was that learning, right? And, and like you said, there, there was a, there was a big part of the company and the business and the operations that we just really didn't understand. And so was there a better way to go about that than just doing the tasks? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, so where we're at now is, is we're, you know, I'm, I'm still doing some of the field work um, and, and we're in this hybrid scenario. So we have, we have one person that uh, goes through all the scheduling, handles our accounts payable, receivable, and answers all the phones or the phone. And we have a maintenance manager who is in charge of landscaping and maintenance. And so, you know, we look forward as, okay, you know, is this the right setup? What do we need to support those positions? Do those positions need to be broken down? And, you know, we certainly have a direction that we think we're going. Um, but some days we look back and we say, you know, is, is this the right direction? Do we add, you know, this office position to, to support, you know, client, let's say client um, satisfaction to make sure that, you know, we're meeting our promises on time and consistently? Um, do we need more XYZ on the maintenance side? And, and so, and then where are there, you know, synergies that we can say, okay, here's a common theme that all of our service lines are, are showing, you know, do we, is there one person that can service that same need for, for the entirety, you know, of all of those service lines. And so, so that's, that's where we start getting confused where we say, okay, how, how have others done it? Right. You Google, you look at, you know, different articles and, 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 you know, published docs and, and you go through and it's like, okay, well, here's, for a cleaning company, here's this. For a landscaping company, here's this. For eight mo eight landscapers, you need one office person and one part time, and this and that. And so, you know, we kind of take all of that and say, okay, now here's our you know current problems that we're working with. You know, you have an owner that is overly involved in the field work, which then on the back end isn't able to support the high level positions. Um, in the direction and, you know, in the, yeah, really in the direction that they need. So, so that's where you get this kind of this, this washing machine of, you know, slow progress and then a couple steps back and three steps forward. And, and so, so that's where we say, okay, how can we, how can we break this cycle? Say, look, let's not, let's not just take a bite of one project and then save it for later. You know, if we're going to do something, let's commit to it and grow that um, in a way that people don't get burned out and, you know, lead to that high turnover rate that we fight sometimes. Do you guys have an org chart and is it clear? We do. Is it clear? No. It's, what would you say, Matt? 
It's not bad. I, I think we're, we're the work that you've been working on more than anything else is in the definitions of those positions is really yeah. where we've gotten stuck with it. Yeah. Um, there's been some really good clarity on some of them. It's the mapping of them all out and then seeing how they interrelate that, that I think is the sticking point. And I think that's one, from my perspective of being your coach, that's where that clarity will come from for you is really when you can get to the point of defining them and seeing how they marry or relate to one another within the entire picture right there. But I honestly think you did fantastic work on that piece right there. What is it about the org chart to you though, that you feel like isn't, isn't finished? You said you're maybe it's, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we've, we've touched, we, we had touched on this um, a while back. So, so one of the issues that, that we, we fight and I think is, is very relatable is, is, you know, if, you know, you have this question, oh, if, if you had all the money in the world, or if you had all the resources or this or that, you know, yeah, we would hire all of these non-revenue producing positions and, and just rock and roll. Right. And, and we're fortunate that we have, you know, very good cash flow, but, you know, we start adding up more of these non-revenue producing roles and that cash flow gets a little tighter, a little tighter. And, you know, we like to have that cushion to make sure that, you know, you know, we're responsible for, you know, everybody's jobs. And so it's like, okay, you got to have, you know, that cash flow, the cash in the bank. So that's where we try to, to mix that. Okay. You know, how much can we go, how much can we afford to, to, you know, to spend on this position? And, you know, can we have that, can we have that position at all? Right. So um, that, that seems to be my my biggest Achilles heel. Um, and I think, you know, as you guys are, are are listening, it's like there's probably it's probably a bit of an excuse, right? <laughs> like, oh, well, if I had more money, right? And uh, and so if I went into it deeper, I would say that um, the confusion is is, you know, how do we split because, Let's 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 take it back one more step. So if we start from the bottom, we say, okay, we have somebody that's a snow removal um, position. That's pretty straightforward. It snows, you clear the snow. A cleaning position, same thing. You're you're. It's a little more complicated, but they're executing those cleans. And so we have all of those positions, and I think that's very straightforward. So that's where it gets to the next level, and you say, okay, what support do they need? from that supervisor position. And I think we have that pretty well down. It's that it's those positions that support those supervisors um, and support, you know, me as a CEO and eventually, you know, upper leadership that where we really kind of get to that muddy water type situation. Kind of project management. So you're, you're doing pretty good flying there at 30,000 feet. Your, your employees out there in the field cleaning, they're doing good at, feet on the ground and and somewhere in the middle at about 10,000 feet to have the acuity of of uh, the big picture but not so high that they've lost perspective and 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 aren't grounded anymore so kind of that mid mid-range altitude if you were to characterize it that way yeah definitely okay do you guys have a budget we do um that's something that we are it's not it's not a tight budget it's it's uh you know here's it's it's yeah 
basically it's lack of tracking on our end. So that's so you have a budget one. in a drawer and and haven't looked at it since. Yeah, yeah, and you know I'm embarrassed to say it because I've been a business broker and I have looked through records of you know businesses that are managed like we're managing ours, and it's like wait, how did you not have you know this accounted for and this tracked and you know so so yeah, I, it's uh, I feel it. How often do you review your financials? So, so the budget is the, the financial budget is what I was referring to. The financial yeah. budget is, you know, I advocate, I don't know about you, but I advocate a, a nine to 12 month rolling budget all the time. You've always got nine to 12 months of visibility in your forecast, right? You need to see that far down yeah. the road, but, but um, that's the budget for the future. But uh, we're always, we've got a rear view mirror, we've got a windshield. And and so the rear view is more about the financial reports you run, the profit and loss, the balance sheet. So you're able to see, how your performance has been and yes. why hopefully you know it leaves some breadcrumbs as to why it it turned out the way it did how often do you review those how often are you looking in the rear view once a month so we have uh one of the things that we do well um in the absence of you know doing a very good budget is uh we have a uh, accounting team that produces that profit and loss cash okay. flow statement and balance sheet every month so and you do look at those regularly? We do. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, the prof the, the profit and loss 100% every single month. Yep. Right on. And do you compare it the budget versus actual? There's so much to finance in the discipline. So do you look at the budget and say, "All right, here's what we predicted. How'd that shake out?" and then and kind of do a postmortem, you know, Monday morning watch the game tapes thing and see what right yeah. what, what actually happened, where were we right, where were we wrong and what are we going to do about it? Do you do you engage in that? We don't. And that, that, I mean, I think that's crucial because, you know, what are the numbers if you don't, yeah, take that next step, right? Cool. Great. Good to know. What are your thoughts on that, Matt? I, I'm, I'm sitting back and going, what happened? <laughs> we're, we're working in that area right there. That I know. It's massive right there. And I'm what happened, what, Andrew? Let's throw it to yeah, you, brother. Happened? It's your business. What, what happened? What? Where did that get off track? Yeah. So let's, let me think. By the way, for a while there, without, without making excuses for you, I remember we were working, you were working with getting caught up for a while, right? Yeah. Wasn't that where it yep. was with this new group that you were with and whatnot? Um, but yeah, just to go back to Dan's question right there, what, what yep. happened with the, the budget? Where'd that go? Yeah. Let, so let me, let me put this in the, in the side notes here for everybody that is listening that doesn't know my style, Matt's style. This is a, a Shame and blame-free zone. Um, uh, I have a very dear friend. If he's listening right now, he'll recognize, he'll get a kick out of this. Nobody goes to rehab sober is what he says. And, <laughs> and for people who are getting business coaching, people who are seeking help, your shit is sideways and you're just like every other business owner out there. And that's okay. The point is you're here doing something about it. And so there's no room for shame and blame. That's not productive. It's not constructive. The question that sort of like pokes a hole in that is to say, Great. Do you know what got you here and what are you going to do about it? So that's a great way to sort of let the air out of the shame and blame balloon and move forward. So I want to, I just want to kind of give that context for, for when I, when I am like, so Andrew, how did this get off track? This isn't with lace with shame and blame. This is diagnostic. Just, I want to throw that out there. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. And, and 
you know, Matt, Matt knows I, I, I love some of this inflection and looking back and saying, okay, you know, what happened and what's, what's going on. And then, you know, sometimes we get into that, that dialogue where it's like, okay, well, you know, let's, let's get back to the topic here. You know, this is really where we're looking at. And um, so, so when I look back, um, you know, we bought the company, we started focusing on marketing we went back, we started focusing on um, operations and we've really been in that operations mode ever since. And then from there, you know, we try to, in that, you know, in that time frame, we try to fit in, like we were mentioning, right? It's, it's project here, it's project there. And so one of those projects was accounting. You know, we, we started getting, you know, we started doing our own accounting. And, you know, one thing that Texas does very well is they support business owners. I mean, I've lived in two states, so I don't have much to talk about, but much better than, than Colorado. That's one thing I can, I can say negative about Colorado. Um, and, and so we got into this and there's really not any, you know, big resource that Colorado gives you. It's like, all right, here's Colorado.gov. And, you know, make sure you do everything you're supposed to. It's like, well, what am I supposed to do? Right. And, and so we started doing our own accounting and we'd get a letter back from, okay, you know, the, the workers compensation, you know, it needs to be adjusted this. And, you know, the IRS, IRS is sending, you know, these accounts aren't quite right. Um, so we need to change this, you know, EIN number and, and this and this. And so, it was more and more of that. So it's like, okay, we, we have to get a professional accounting company. And this company does our, our taxes, they do payroll and bookkeeping. Um, and so it's, it's really, they do a really good job. They're single track accounting. Awesome. Awesome. So that was the beginning of our journey. Um, they, they got into it and, like oh there there's a lot of cleanup here right uh and they're they're like you know we don't want to you know hurt your feelings but like this is really bad we're like you know look you're not gonna hurt our feelings we know it's bad you know let's just you know what's it gonna take to get us there so so ultimately they ended up doing our 2021 uh return and getting all of our books um right and they did such a good job that we sheepishly asked them to do to clean up the 2020 as well, um, which they did. And I mean, it's it's been smooth sailing on that side ever since. And so we were so excited because we thought, look, you know, this is this is the next step to get us where we need to be, which is which is tracking, budgeting, and you know, seeing where those gaps are and and going through that iteration cycle. And the reality is that we we just never got there. So, so then we get into EMYTH, right? And it's such a good structured system of going through and really identifying where you need to work on your business and what needs to be optimized. And so we get into the, the financial section and it's, it's wonderful, right? It's like, okay, here's the structure we needed. Here's what we do. Uh, you know, make sure we're getting, you know, the PL, the balance sheet, um, and the cash flow statements. You know, great, we're doing that already. And guess what? 
right back into operations. And this becomes that little project on the side. So that, you know, I'd love to be more specific. You know, that's about as specific as I can remember. I'm sure there's things that, you know, maybe you guys could point out or Matt could remember, but yeah, it's uh, just kind of that reactive versus proactive. Mm. I'm thinking about your your challenges with the org chart and tying that to the budget because that's how we got here, right, Dan? Yeah, you're yep. talking yep. about clarity of the org chart, who to hire, when to hire, all that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, who's going to do what? These non-revenue producing positions. What do you think in your mind's eye then that what Dan was alluding to was asking about the budget? What is that? What might that provide for for you if you had some clarity on that? If you had some some concrete budgets in place? We would know, and this is this is where I have what what feels like an excuse, but it's more of a question. So mm-hmm. it would it would provide us the clarity to know what we can afford and what we can't. Period. Right. Uh, where I have the the question is, and I think I think I just answered my own question. So uh, you you have. You know, a very different, different city yeah, of the sales cycle, right? You know, um, throughout the year. And if you tracked and you budgeted, you would see the patterns and you would be able to budget. So that was, that's my, that's my excuse slash question that I answered myself. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, I think that's where I get hung up where it's like, oh yeah, if I could budget, I knew there was going to be a hundred thousand dollars of revenue every month. Oh, great. Yeah. Very predictable. Um, but it, it's going to be work to say, to go through a year and say, okay, this is what we can expect in March as we're starting to buy new equipment for the summer season and expect here in this month and X, Y, Z. So, and the reality is that we had those breakdowns from the prior owners. And so all the way up to the sale, we had that clear data and then it's blank, right? Mm-hmm. So... And then really our budget and our, our financial data is, you know, how much were we left with at the end of the month, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is not a very good uh, lead measure to mm-hmm. make those, those hiring decisions on, which, you know, we go back to, well, can I afford this role, right? And it's, yeah, it's all tied together. Really well put. I'm, I'm going to summarize just kind of what we've covered so far and what I'm hearing. Do you guys mind? No, please. What I'm hearing, Andrew, is is as you're maturing as a business and as leaders, and and you're starting to get clearer piece by piece about what kinds of changes you guys feel like you need to make in your business. I mean, you you got a good beat on the systems or the people or or, or the structure that that is required. But before you can really answer that question, there's this bottleneck of of how do we know what of these changes we can afford to make and where to start on that? Right? Am I am I kind of summarizing that right 100 yeah so in order to make those assessments kind of bring it back to that that finance piece and uh you say you're already reviewing the finance and that's like i was alluding to that's kind of the rear view you need that but but for the next three months can we afford to pay this contractor to come in and do special projects work for this can we afford that project manager to be that mid-level ten thousand foot altitude person can we afford that's the bottleneck right now. Like if you had a magic wand and you, I heard you say not the magic wand thing, but if, if we could just 
go on a hiring frenzy, this stuff would be would be good. But you don't know. You can't do the hiring frenzy, of course. Nobody really can do that <laughs> at, at scale. So to make that assessment, what's your prescription there? What do you need to do? We need to go back and you know catch up on on that that tracking and put it into a usable format that we can then create that forecast. And then then we create that system of um, accountability for the budget and uh, predictability for what we can do and afford and move forward. You know what that looks like? Do you know how to get there? What I'm getting at is I hear that you're willing to do that. Are you able to do that? Like you have the tools, you got the skills, you got the knowledge, you got the equipment, you got the people to whatever run the reports and, and they're going to be up to date and reliable. Here's where I, and here's where I feel there's the gap. So, and I, I think, you know, Matt with, with his background and um, the gym industry can, can relate. There's, there's the, you know, th- this pain that, that is right in front of you, Right. Um, I'm really hungry. And the closest thing to me is five fast food restaurants. And if I just, you know, spent 15 minutes, I could get a really healthy meal or make a really healthy meal. And that's, that's this conundrum. I feel like I'm in with, with the business where there's people that need support or direction or, you know, that happens enough and you realize they need, you know, a clearer weak view of what they need to do every day. Right. And so that's where I feel like I get sucked back into where the question of, you know, will you do this and what's your capability of being able to do this gets called into question because there's, there's this need of, and the fear of, okay, well, if I don't do these financial uh, all this financial work, yes, it's gonna. There's gonna be some long-term pain um, if I don't do this. You know, if I don't put out this fire, there's gonna be short-term pain that could lead to long-term pain, right? And so that's and and, and we've gone through that in several different areas of the business, right? And said, okay, we know that we need this system. We know that we need this, and as as this, you know, multi-hat wearing owner, it's like you you feel like, you know, oh, I have to do this for this manager, you know, so that they don't quit. Or, you know, th- there's these fears, right? So that's I think that's that's the that's where I feel like I am now. What I find is interesting is that you've been super diligent about all the rear view mirror, as Dan Dan references, right? Uh, and that's great. And I'm wondering, is there some resistance to the the future looking, you know, looking into the budget plans? Not, no, I don't know if there is or not, but yeah, is there something holding you back with that? Because what I'm trying to tie that to is that, and we've talked about this before, is you get into that mode of reaction, just like you said, it's just easier to go to Burger King. Just you know, here's this fire. I'm going to move. I'm going to move. I'm going to move. And that always holds you back from being able to look more into the the future in the in the plan ahead. So is this a theme in some ways? Because there's a way that you have lived within this business mm-hmm. and identify even with yourself. I mean the same statement of hey if it's broke, you know, you go ahead and fix it yourself. 
that doer mentality with it, is that holding you back from that potential of being able to think into the future in some way? Or is there some resistance because one's kind of feels like it's at home for you? Kind of a loaded question. I know there's a lot of pieces to it, but what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I, and, and, you know, opening up and being vulnerable, you know, on my end, uh, you know, I, I have struggled with anxiety and depression for um, a couple decades, really. And, you know, I go back and I look at, you know, all of the, the things that, that really held me up in the past. And I see that now, right. And, it, and it's, it's not related to these you know, mental health issues, um, or any of those cues or, or, you know, issues, it's, it's the, it's now it's like, okay, well, why, why don't I want to look at the budget? Why don't I want to do this? And, and there's the fear of like, more work that doesn't get done. Right. And, and it's, I guess, yeah, I mean, it ties right. I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's these anxieties, really, I guess, if we're, I, you know, now that I'm, I'm thinking about it, it's, it's, you know, it's like, okay, well, what's, what's the resistance here? Yeah. Let me riff on that. Can I riff on that real quick? Absolutely. There's something about reactionary work. I love where you're going with that, Matt. When, when you're going and you're putting out fires, you know how to put out fires. You're not going to be wrong when you spray water on the fire and the thing goes out. Congratulations. Success. You did a good job, Andrew, right? Proactive work, strategic work, planning into the future you make plans, that stuff's not going to work out. You just count on it. It's not going to work out exactly as you plan. You Hopefully you get close. That's yeah. like, that's intimidating. That's threatening. That contributes to the anxiety and, and the depression when your stuff doesn't work out. So it, you got a sure thing. It's a ringer when you're putting out the fire. You know that's going to be a success, but you have to predict on a budget and financials. It's not going to turn out that way. It's just like, I can tell you right now, yeah. never seen a single budget come out even like ridiculously close to the way the budget went up, but you gotta, you have to have something, right? Yeah. Even if the crystal ball is fuzzy, you gotta, you gotta pull it out and do your best with it. Uh, do you think it, is there anything that, that, that rings true for you that way about like your, I'm, I'm going to talk a little esoterically here about that, but your relationship to firefighting versus the relationship to planning and, and trying to manifest what what those plans are hit those goals make those targets come true absolutely absolutely you know as it's it's that instant gratification trap right <laughs> you know the the oh i'm 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 so busy i'm so busy well you know what what are you doing oh well you know i, I don't remember <laughs> right and it's like well the truth was is that you were you were doing all of these little things that weren't planned and don't really have you know any space you know, they shouldn't have any space in your calendar. Um, and, and that's a lot of, of what my day looks like, you know, you start out the week, here's this plan and something comes up and it's like, Oh gosh, you know, I got to go fix this, or I got to go do this. And, you know, I can move this and this unbelievably important thing into the strategy side. And I can do that tomorrow because nobody's breathing down my neck to get it done. And so it's like, okay, I can, I can get everything done. if you know, I could just move this to tomorrow. Well, guess what? Tomorrow there's more reactionary fires and there's more, you know, there's all this stuff uh, to deal with. And so, you know, Matt has been really good by saying, look, you know, you have to hold these times sacred, right? There, there's, that's the only way that it works, right? You know, 
you have to find that time. And this was actually last week, I think, Matt, right? Where it's like, look, we we have, here's the time we spend, you know, every week. And I'm, I was fighting with him, you know, it's like, oh, could we do three days a week? You know, and he's like, ah. negotiating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, okay, like, you know, I have, I have a one-year-old son and, you know, I'm, I'm doing this field work that requires me to be out, you know, on random days and random times. And so, you know, holding that time sacred, um, is, is difficult, but clearly it's, I mean, it's one of the number one, you know, priorities. Because Can I add some color? Can I add some yeah. color to that story though, to give it a little backdrop of where that came from? If I remember this correctly, Andrew, if, you know, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but things had kind of crescendoed and the patterns that we've seen in some ways was that there's there's reactive stuff that you have that comes up. But on top of that, there's been choices and decisions to take on projects that are bigger projects, right? At the same time. So you're like, oh, we'll have a little bit of space or I have an idea. I'm going to do the office. <laughs> I'm going to take on this other thing. I'm going to do this one thing. And then the reaction stuff piles on top. And then we have those sessions where they're like, wow, I'm just overwhelmed. You know, you get on the phone, you're drained and you're worn out from it all, you know, and those are great reflective moments because we go, okay, well, how do we make this different next time? And how do we make this different next time? And I think to wrap some of this up that I'm kind of hearing and tie it all together is going back to the budget plan. How much does that forethought, how does looking more forward into what's coming up? you know, monetarily or just in, in general, like how does that help to get you to a place where you can avoid those periods, those periods where you come into just this, I've taken on too much. I've taken on a project that I maybe could have afforded because I made it happen. But at the same yeah. time, I couldn't afford it because of the, the time and energy placed into that. Now I can't afford thinking ahead. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's a, I, I think for me hearing hearing you explain that and, and, and pose that question, it's like, man, you know, it, it's so clear that that's a, it's an action reaction cycle, right? Because if you, if you knew that forecast and that, that budget um, and you, you, you at least understood within a 10 to 20% range of, okay, here's, here's what we're shooting for. Here's what we've been doing. And you can make that plan you're you're the the reactionary the the fires the surprises start going down on my that that's what i'm seeing and and i'm i'm miss i'm going i'm kind of you know missing a lot of steps there um to simplify it but that's yeah i mean it, it's yeah I, yeah you know, I, I got to put this in here because I know you're a skier and we can edit this out if this doesn't apply to this. But one of the <laughs> lessons I learned with skiing, mogul skiing, that I was taught was when I was skiing with my instructor, we actually paid for somebody to help me out with this, right? At one point, um, he says, you're looking down at your skis. You're looking down at your skis. Look five to seven moguls ahead of you. And I'm telling you, like I, I took a shift. This is one of these like 20%, 30% shifts in my skiing ability just from that cue. Just from that cue alone, right? Yeah. What's your five to seven moguls, man? Right. Yeah, and and on our end, you know, with those different service lines, uh, they all follow the same the same pattern. It, it's you know when yeah. when do the yeah. tourists come? When does the grass grow? When does the snow? Yes. Fall? 
Right. And so does the budget to a degree, right? Yeah. I mean, to a degree, like Dan says, it's never perfect, but the yeah. weighing against the cyclical nature of your business and weighing against that, your plan of it yeah. is where you compile that five to seven moguls ahead, right? You know, the, the pattern of moguls are a little different all the time, right? But overall, yeah. it's it's similar, similar yeah. enough. Yeah. Sorry to cut uh, you I'll off there. I'll dork out on that a little bit because we focused on the time. I'm sorry, the the financial budget piece, and and I would even extend that out to say there's a, there's value, and you know this will be our next session. Um, there's value to a time and attention budget as well. What's all the stuff that you have have to commit to in the next thirty days, next quarter, the next year? What are those commitments that are hard and fast, and um, in the same way that you would with with finances, if you realize, you know, you're going to have, you're going to have X dollars available to you to spend what you know is you can't spend it on those things over there because it's got to be dedicated to these things over here instead. Time and attention works exactly the same way. In fact, even more so it's even more finite than money. Hell, you could go make more. It might not be easy. You could go make more money if you needed to time. You got, what is it? 1440 uh, minutes a day, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's the ceiling. And, and um, in light of that, trying to pile more on your plate to go spend more again, whether it's time and attention or it's money. Um, if you, if you don't have that visibility of what's coming up, you're, you're going to blow through your budget. And that's the time and attention that, that allows you to sure dedicate some time to firefighting, dedicate time to reactionary and responsive work, because that's the reality. We have to, we have to give that a little bit of love, but making sure that you've got some still in the tank, you've got some reserved to, work on the on the strategic higher level proactive work exactly the same with finance time and attention budget financial budget both of those seem like the bottleneck like you yeah and you just seem so smart and attentive and, and caring in the way that you approach your business and it's a constraint of resources time money and attention and if you could be a little bit clearer on you know five to eight moguls ahead of time attention and money I have no doubt that that's, that's to me sounds like the obstacle that needs to be cleared. What's going to be available to you in the short and midterm uh, so that you can spend it right. Then, then you can get to hiring the person that you need and training them. Then you can get to creating the system or this project manager, or this structure to make sure that jobs aren't missed and quality control is maintained and all of that. But until then, until you you realize what you've got to spend and throw at those issues, damn, that's a bottleneck, isn't it? Yeah. My wrong. If I'm wrong, just please tell me. How about how about this? How about we tie it up with this? So if we were to get precise with the problem, which is my mantra, if anybody knows me at all, get precise with the problem. What's what specifically is the obstacle? Uh, I threw that out there a minute ago about getting clear on and using piggybacking off of uh, Matt's analogy there about five to eight moguls ahead. That seems like the bottleneck here for you to be able to make some progress, Andrew. And so if if you can think of something more precise to identify as the obstacle that needs to be cleared to get you some of that traction right away, clarify what that is. But but if that's it, let's let's dork out a little bit on on what you can do to next steps you can take in order to um to address that. I on that anybody have thoughts on that? Yeah I'm I'm kind of writing I'm kind of writing through that and looking um and I think there's there's probably more steps in there to explore, but then you kind of start opening up other doors, right? And it really starts. I, I think it could get convoluted. Um, I, I could be I could be completely wrong, but I 
I think I'm with you on that process. So what is the the clear, what would you call it, Dan? In the crystal clear obstacle or what did you say? Oh, just getting getting precise with the problem. Before precise, you precise. If you're not yeah. precise with the problem, you're going to start solving a problem and it's going to be the wrong one. And now you're actually two steps behind because you expended that those resources solving the wrong shit and that's not useful. Yeah. yeah. So as precisely as possible, getting, uh, you almost have to take inventory, it sounds like to me, take inventory of the time and attention you have as well as the, the financial future for the next three, six, 12 months, whatever that looks like. What do you have available to you to spend to solve these problems? Then, man, then you can get to work on solving them. But until then, you don't even know, you know, what's in your suitcase. Absolutely. Um, I think, I mean, it's, it's to me on my end, I'm looking at number one, going back to basics, right? We hold that time every week. You tackle these problems. I mean, it, it's, we're at a, there's a point where it becomes, you know, a long-term problem becomes the short-term problem. Um, mm-hmm. And it's pretty clear that's where we're at with this obstacle. Mm-hmm. I love how Can you take, said that. Agreed. No, right, agreed. Can you take little bites out of that? I mean, I would, what's a simple act that you can start to make sure you've got this time? Do you keep a calendar? How rigid are you with that, man? I do. I do. I use Google Calendar. Um, the, you know, I mean, it's, it's pretty loosey goosey. I was going to say, is there a suggestion or is it structure? (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, it's throughout last fall, I'll be honest. I mean, it it was, I was, I was missing appointments to get a haircut. I was, you know, and it's just, just simple, very basic things. It's like, oh man, like how do we get here? And so, um, on my, I look at it and I say, okay, there's, there's several different ways to go at this. You know, what method, like you mentioned, what method am I using? Google calendar, um, making that space, right. It's the schedule, but what's, you know, how am I going to make sure that that gets done? Right. Like what, where, where's that, where's that gap? For, from, for me, for me though, like I think we've talked about this too, Andrew and Dan, please jump in too. If you disagree with it too, it's the, it's the motivation to hold that time is really where I would go with. Right. Is that cause you often do have that time, not all, all the time, but you do have that time, but why would you, why would you do so? Like, how do you intend to, to frame that hour of working on the business and say, Hey, this is a priority though. It's not a fire. Though it's not an urgent matter, it is the long-term picture. Because when you have that that connection to the motivator right there, then you then you do it. Obviously, like you're good at that stuff because something comes up and like boom, I go and do it, right? Because I've got the motivation to fix it. So how do you treat this almost in the same way that says this is a priority, though it's not on fire? How do I do that? And I think that's where I kind of would go with that is how do you put that same level of prioritization mentally on that time? Dan, interrupt if you want, if you think that's the wrong vein. No, to I think you're down. spot on. You've got a one-year-old, Andrew, and and uh, nobody wants to ever change a diaper, right? <laughs> I mean, come on, get real. 
it, but it's a non-negotiable for you. Do you have to gin yourself up to go change the diaper? No, you're like, of course, I mean, it's non-negotiable. It's that important. My values are that clear. Shout out to a really good book by a guy named Ben Hardy. It's called Willpower Doesn't Work. And he, he, I'm kind of bastardizing his great approach to this. But when your values are ex- excessively clear, you don't need the willpower for it. And, and same with this. If you're clear enough, that this is an action that you need to take on your uh, on, on how you address your calendar more as as structure than suggestions. If it's that clear, you don't have to gin yourself up to get that done. You you just re- realize and recognize this this is non negotiable. This is the diaper change for the day, and I'm going to do it um, because it's clear this thing stinks. And I'm you know I don't want to miss another haircut appointment. I don't want to whatever that is. Not to mention just the longer term value uh, that you'll get from from for your business because you, you'll you'll put in that that critical mass of strategic work to, to make those assessments, make those changes. Yeah. And I I think ironically, when I, when I look at, okay, well, let's, let's address this. It goes back to the, the financial, right. Where it's like, okay, you know, we're making it real right now is, you know, spending more time with my son and having the money that we need to be comfortable. Right. And than the money we desire to get to that goal that we want, right? And you know, money, time, and then you're you're then you're working with a pretty good problem, right? And so, so how does that how does that fit in when you're when you say, okay, my my motivation to do the the financial comes from doing knowing that here's the gap, and you know, and I think you know, you, I'm, I'm in that point where, you know, oh, well, I've never done a budget, but, you know, we've always made it work kind of a thing. Right. And, and that's, it's crazy to me. Like that's been our reality, but it is nuts that, 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 because I mean, that's how, that's how people go out of business because they just don't know their numbers. Absolutely. Uh, and so I think, you know, switching from that lucky to, okay, let's be good, not lucky, um, is, is important. So, so yeah, with that, yeah. Knowing the numbers to, to have that, to find that motivation, but honestly, I mean, I mean, how far do we want to go into that part of things? I think, you know, what you've done, God, I'm just full of bumper stickers today. What guy here won't get you there. And and if you could fly by the seat of your pants in, in your finances and just, you'll wing it, you'll make it. That has worked just fine to this point, right? You've gotten, you've gotten that, um, you've gotten this far from, from that relationship to that kind of structure. But for the next chapter here, that's your ceiling. And until you, you clarify for yourself like i it's almost like just your relationship you got to be able to to emotionally draw a straight line from i'm gonna keep this appointment to uh review my budget versus actuals every month on the 10th because i can draw a straight line from that activity to being able to spend more time with my kid and and my wife and more time on the slopes or whatever that is right retire before i'm 70 Whatever that that you can, we know we're just sitting here on this go. We can draw a straight line from that. It's not convoluted. Yeah. It's not in question. There's no doubt about it. And and when you can be that clear on the non-negotiability of of those appointments, again, that's where the, you don't even need the willpower. You don't have to. It's just clear. Yeah, 
Yeah. And, and I mean, I'll be the first to say it, you know, having kids is so much harder than I expected. I mean, I only have, <laughs> I only have one, you know, it's like, man, you know, these people are having two, three, four, like how, how does, how can they do that? Right. And, uh, but it is the most rewarding thing I've ever experienced. And, and I'm super competitive. I love, you know, playing basketball or run a race or playing poker, you know, it just, it's just, it's fun. Right. And, and you kind of, you're always testing yourself and, um, yeah, nothing, nothing comes close to having a kid. And so, you know, as hard as it is and all this extra work that comes with it also comes a, an insane amount of, of motivation and this, this responsibility. Right. And, and I think, and I think I speak for a lot of people where, you know, when we say, you know, like, oh, you know, you know, I, I've got to spend more time with my kids. I've got to do this. But then we get into work or whatever that task is. And it kind of, you kind of forget that. Right. And, and I think, you know, when you don't have kids or there's not something, you know, big that you're shooting for, you know, again, you don't have that vision. You don't have that goal it's really easy to forget about, okay, well, I don't want to do this hard thing, or I don't want to do, you know, X, Y, Z. Um, and a lot of times for me, it's subconscious, right? I don't even think about it. I just immediately go put that fire out. Even if I'm in the middle of working on, you know, something that is, you know, very significant. Right. So, um, so, so yeah, drawing that line. For, for sake of, time but also i think we're at a good place in general um what are the takeaways because we worked through a lot we kind of it took a, this interesting little journey through this and i appreciate your your patience with it all is we both this is it, you know this, this is a new to us with the podcast stuff too but not new to coaching so i appreciate you going this journey with us what are your takeaways what are you going to take from what did you take from today and what are you going to work to apply tomorrow, three months from, you know, for the next three months, six months, whatever. I'm responsible for, you know, essentially everything in the business, but I don't have to do everything in the business. And so for me, I look at, you know, we go through, we say, okay, well, there's things that aren't getting done. Oh, we need to hire somebody. Well, we don't know our financials that needs to be done. Why is that not getting done? Well, we, you know, we're not holding that space to get that done. Um, why are we not holding the space to get that done? Um, and then it comes back to, okay, we're not clear on our future. We don't have that, that goal. And we're just, we're just doing the busy work, doing the busy work. And so, I mean, I think it, it just goes back to, you know, a very basic, but powerful concept of like, you just, you got to keep your vision in mind, right? And everybody has, you know, you have all the gurus that have the different ideas, right? Oh, you have to have the vision board. Oh, you have to have the, you know, the millionaire morning routine to keep you on, on your goal. And you have to do your work before, you know, 8am, you know, don't open your email, all that stuff. But the reality is that you just have to keep working towards your goal, you know, and hold that time to make sure that you're building those blocks and not just you know, digging in the sand, um, endlessly. So I want to add one piece to that because I know we're going to wrap up fairly, fairly soon here, but one of the parts of that, the scheduling piece that I tell clients with, and we've talked about before too, Andrew is in the first part of that hour is trying to connect to what that goal is and what that purpose is. And that hopefully jazzes you. 
right? Because you're saying, okay, this is this is worthwhile time, as opposed to I just sit down here and I go, okay, what am I working on? I got to go to work on it. But sitting in the moment of going, what are my goals? What are my ambitions? What are my primary aim or anything else? Where do I want to go? What what am I doing this for? Who am I doing this for? You know, and having that time of meditation, thought, quiet time, peace, whatever you want to have before you start doing the work. You know, that's that seems to be a helpful tool. I don't know, Dan, do you have any other takeaways from that too? Any other suggestions? No, man, I think you cover it really well. And and um what when you've got that hierarchy of of uh, from your values and your vision to the goals, to the plan, to the actions that you need to take. And it's almost in that structure. It's part of the annual planning process that I work through with my clients. Clear on your vision and your values. What are the goals, uh, the outcomes that are related to that? What are the what's what are the individual plans that I need to develop in order to reach those goals? And then what are the daily actions that need to be taken in order to to accomplish that plan, to, to hit those outcomes. When you break that down, kind of reverse engineer it in that way. Um, and you don't need to do this every, every hour session that you put down on your calendar with yourself, but, but that's how those actions get excessively clear is by, again, kind of reverse engineering it, like piggybacking what Matt said about, about keeping that vision. I mean, whatever you got to do to keep your finger on the pulse of that, um, We'll keep it grounded, keep you motivated, keep you focused on it, get you, you know, as soon as you get distracted, something bright and shiny comes by or social media or whatever the hell, uh, you're still able to extract yourself from that because the reason for that is is exceedingly clear every time. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff. Well, yeah. Want to make right. a public commitment about what you're going to do? One specific thing? Keep my vision in front of me every single place and commit to it. I mean, it's holding that space every single week. That's a worthwhile. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we're at a place, right? I think so. Place to wrap it up. Yeah. Hey, Andrew, Andrew I, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, thank you. Thank you guys. I mean, it's been, it's, I, I've enjoyed it. Um, you know, some of it's been enlightening. Some of it's, you know, obviously some of it was a little tough to talk about as well. Right. It's like, wow, I'm just, I'm just not doing this. Right. And, 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 and you know, Matt, Matt knows I've, I've got thick skin and I'm very like, okay, how do we fix this? How do we do this? How do we do that? Right. So um, yeah, it was, it was really cool to go through kind of this, this waterfall of like, okay, well, this led to that, led to that, led to that. Um, and then from there, let's break it down from that to that, to that. Okay. Here's what we need to do. And then this, then this, then this, right. So, so yeah, that, that was, that was really cool. Awesome. Yeah. It's been a pleasure as always. Um, yeah. Dan, do you have anything else you want to add? No, just, just a little shout out for yourself there, Andrew. If somebody wants to, uh, here's this wants to connect with you and, um, uh, uh, in whatever way, professionally or otherwise, how do they go about doing that? So the best is um, my email, andrew at apexsteamboat.com. Or we'll see you on the slopes either way. There you go. Hit <laughs> me up. That's all right. Hey, thanks again, Andrew. Appreciate <laughs> Thank you guys. Time. Nice to meet you, Dan, Noah. Yeah. We hope you've gotten the value you were looking for on today's episode. 
If you want more like this, please scan the QR code that you'll find on the show notes or go to clearingobstacles.com for more information. There, you'll find links to other episodes as well as how you can get in touch with us to set up your own customized coaching experience on a regular basis to clear your own obstacles. Your business should serve your life and uh, let us help you get there from here because nobody should do this on their own. We want to thank you for listening and gratefully acknowledge everyone who helped make this podcast possible. And a special thanks to our supreme assistant and navigator, Noah Wertheiser, to Arctic E for the brilliant musical themes of Clearing Obstacles, and to the team at Hivecast for your amazing work and legendary patience. Thanks for listening.